We love hip hop. Even what I was saying before with the um the standards and stuff like that, I get held to a different standard. I feel like a lot of time. Why is that? Because I work in the urban space, right? So, for example, well, if like there's a, a new story that comes out, right, mm-hmm. and 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 let's say the mainstream media is already covering it, that's cool. However, if I cover the shit, mm-hmm. like same thing, like let's say some rappers or something get into so get into an incident, right? And I covered uh, the story after I catch it on CP20 or 24 or something. Yeah. I'll get the DMs. Yo, why are you fucking talking about the man damn? Da, 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 da. Like, technically, I got this from CP24. <laughs> yeah, but those people complaining, are they watching CP24? They're watching you. So they're not seen in the mainstream. Yeah. Right? You're the streets. Uh, I don't even, I never, you know, I sometimes right? I forget about that part. Right? You have to remember that. Yeah. Right? So you can't, like... But but you're right though. You're right about you're gonna face more scrutiny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's because who you are and what you're covering, right? You're yeah. a black man covering hip hop. Yeah. Right. Send Susie from Sudbury. Send her downtown Toronto. Let her cover it. It's great. All her friends. You know, look at Susie go. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, she was there. Yeah. Yay! What a great article. What a great story. Yeah, she really got to tap into a different a different scenery. Right. Or not even, they acting like it's theirs. Like now mm. they're acting like they created it and it's their shit, yeah. right? And that's a serious problem that's happening right now mm-hmm. in the industry. When poor Friday Ricky Dredd, who's been in it from time, right? Yeah. Went on vacation, came back, still in it. Yeah. You know, reinvented himself, going hard. You're still looked at as like, no, I'd rather get my sources from Susie from Sudbury. Yeah. She's the one working at the record label, signing all the rappers. Why is that, man? Why is there still, like, even before we get into our conversation, yeah, right? yeah. why is there still that outside, like, you know, they, they want to leave a lot of the people who have the information in their brain on the outside, mm-hmm. right? Because those people that you talk about who get on the inside, usually mm-hmm. they have to go and do, like, a lot of extra research to find out things that we already know. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so why is it? Like, why is that uh, such a, a separation? That, that specific example, why did the Toronto police have to investigate themselves to tell us, well, you know what? There is disproportionate numbers here. No fucking kidding. We've been telling you that for decades. Yeah. Not, not years, decades. You feel me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's the same thing, right? There's a, they're part of a system. Right? Yeah. Don't ever get it twisted. Street culture will dictate pop culture. Mm. Always. It always has and it always will. Right? Yeah. Pop culture, right? We don't run pop culture. We create it. We become it, but we don't run it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, so right. until we start running it more, then the, 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 t- the things will change. It's just last year, right? Or the beginning of this year. Universal finally, finally created a black music or a black, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Department. Yeah, an urban music department. Yes, an urban music department. Mm. Finally. Right? Yeah. After the summer 2020, the whole world changed. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) You're saying that there's only a now urban music department at Universal now in 20, let's say 2021? Yes. 
What am I freaking hearing right now, bro? I'm telling you, man. Oh, man. They never had anybody to market black music, but now they've hired Big C to like take over that. Mm. Right? So that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of things, and that's what we forget, right? That's what a lot of people forget. Even when you look at, like, I don't know, it's like just now, like the, pe- the people who enslaved us, mm-hmm. there's still some that are living. You feel me? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like so great grandfathers and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're not out of it yet. <laughs> right? So this is all to say to b- back to your question. It's because Johnny, right, from the suburbs, got a good education, went to school, studied media, perhaps, mm-hmm. right? Then his parents sent him to the big city to live or, or to after a couple years after school. Yeah. Right. Paying for his apartment. He's living downtown. You know, he's, he's living the dream. He's, he's like, he's downtown hipster, right? With mm-hmm. his education, right? He loves hip hop because he grew up on it. He was yeah. influenced by it. He bucks into someone who, who happens to work at, at Sony Music. They exchange words. And next thing you know, He's a head of a department or he's an A&R signing urban artists. Yeah. Right? Or or deciding who gets on a stage at a festival. That's right? crazy. I'm telling you, that's how it works. Right? Yeah. And you know, like when you lay it out like that, it's it's pretty straightforward. Like it's like, duh. Right? <laughs> but like it kind of has to get laid out to actually like. Exactly. Oh, that's why. Right? <laughs> you know what's funny is that uh, sometimes I think I, I, I made a post or a comment online just a week ago i said sometimes it just takes an og Mm -hmm. to lay it out for you and i got that because a few days prior my big homie dalton dalton Mm -hmm. higgins hit me up salute right and we were talking about some things and and he said to me he goes you know he goes what you don't understand is i make my own guap i don't have to play by the same rules yeah and i was like ding i said now it all makes sense to me yeah right because in in the past I've I've gotten trouble and even like throughout my career, like I've gotten trouble for speaking my mind and saying things and maybe doing things a little different. Mm-hmm. But it's because I make my own money and I I've I've played the game and I'm at the point where I don't have to play the game anymore. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I'm I'm I am the game now, right? You and I say game. what I want, right? I yeah. make my own guap. I have a career. So I don't have to follow the same rules that you do, not you, but the next man does. Yeah, yeah, in general. To get to where they want to get. I'm already there. Yeah. I can help you get there, right? And I feel like that's my, that's my responsibility. That's our responsibility. The older we get, we have to, like, pass our knowledge on and pull mans up with us. Yeah, yeah. Right? And with, you, like, a platform like you have, right? Like, yeah, you're going to cover the controversy stuff, right? But really, as a man, as an adult, my opinion is, is that you have a responsibility to also educate and help, mm. right? Because without help, you just get lost, right? Everybody needs help. You yeah. have to humble yourself sometimes, that's especially real. when mans are extending their hand to you. No, that's real. And that's a problem we have in the hood sometimes. Yeah. Right? Well, listen, let's, let's, let's intro- introduce this <laughs> for the people who are in the listening audience because the people in the listening audience, they're hearing jewels already and they're like, holy, the jewelry store is already open, it's right? open. And then there's the people in the viewing audience who are watching and they're like, oh, okay, I see who that is. 
You know what I'm saying? And it's so, probably something that are like, who's that nigga? Yeah, who's, who the yeah. fuck is that? So some of the younger bucks might be like, okay, all these guys are about to get into the old head talk. But uh, young heads, y'all need to, 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 to make sure to stay tuned and pay attention because I'm about to have a conversation here with a legend in the game. Somebody who's worked in front of the scenes and behind the scenes, right? And we're going to talk about all of the different... Um, different evolutions that he's had in the game of this music game, the urban game, and being able to get into these corporate offices and, you know, represent for our culture, right? So with no further ado, we have yes. East Park Pro founder. Yes. Right? The man in the building, the connector of things, Chris Jackson, a.k.a. Chris got rocks in the mother a the building. A-A-A. Respect Friday, man. Thank you for having me here. Yo, thank you, it's man. It's about goddamn time. Yo, man. <laughs> listen, it, it's all about the stars aligning. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I've been digging deeper into my, my solo interviews where I'm having in-depth conversations more than interviews. Right. right? So I really appreciate you coming yeah. through and, and having this conversation with me today. Yeah, man. Um, What... Where did we buck our buck last time? Like, cause there's been a few industry. Oh, events. it was uh, it was uh, Phoenix. It was the Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember the name of the show, but it was all of our tax. all of our friends were there. Yeah, yeah. It was because there was two shows I was at at Phoenix. There was the Brass Tax, and then there was the one that started from scratch, was putting together. Not, I, think, uh, I don't know, if scratch put it together, but it had Jelly JB was there. Yes, that one. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And 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 it's it's it brought back some nostalgia to me because like I remember us bucking at a lot of like events that you mm -hmm. were putting on back in the days. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Well, we're going to get to that. You know what I'm saying? Can you give us a description of what you do in the scene? Just in general, before we get, we delve deep into the different pockets. Right, right. So I wear a lot of different hats, really. It's hard. When people ask me that question, it's hard for me to break it down. Mm -hmm. Even when they ask me, when I have to explain what I do at CBC, because I wear a lot of hats there too. Yeah. Right. So today I got the fluorescent uh, yellow hat on. And uh, what do I do? Uh, again, I do a lot. But like you said at the beginning, a connector, mm -hmm. like I'm really, I'm a plug. Right. Yeah. I'm the plug, bro. Like I, I connect people. I, I have a, a long history in the urban music scene. Mm -hmm. um, to give you uh, the beginning times. Uh, I'm credited with putting out the first hip hop record out of Canada in okay. 1986 with a group called the Get Loose Crew okay. out of Flemington Park. And that was just the year before Mishy and Maestro put out their records, who I was working with Maestro at the time as well. So mm. a lot of people may know that or may not know that, but Maestro, we go way back. I know. Right? And we're good friends. Yeah. Right? Same with Mishy. Um, so I'm from that era, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, I represent the park, Flemington Park. Yeah. That's where the East Park comes from. All right. Okay. And the pro is just keep it pro. We can get into that a little later. Yeah. Um, and then just through time, you know, you're a kid growing up and kids look up to things and want to be someone and you're running around having fun, causing trouble. I was no different. Right. Mm -hmm. I was playing sports. But then this, this rap music just like grabbed all of us. Right. And we all had like, relations with people like connections with people in new york or so they'd come back with mixtapes and they'd play us like red alert and mr magic and, you know and stuff like that yeah and, and then you were introduced to like the different beefs and 
And you really learned and became immersed in this new music that was our music and mm -hmm. represented us. You feel me? Yeah. And, um, and as a kid, you know, if you're really about that life, then you, you're, you're about it and you want to be it. Mm -hmm. Right. And what I mean by that is like, I, I was, I was so vain when I was a kid. Like they used to have like a uh, write on magazine. I remember that. You remember write on? I have one in the drawer over here. <laughs> I, I wish I kept all those magazines. At one point I was like, I got to get rid of this shit. I can't keep moving. Yeah. I got rid of all those archives. But, you know, so different magazines like that, where they'd have your favorite hip hop artists and big pictures and articles. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would cut out my favorite artists, right? LL or salt and pepper. And I would put them on the wall in my basement, mm -hmm. sometimes in my room, but the basement that we're you know, straight from the underground It's the basement. That's yeah. the spot. Right. So had a little room in the basement and my walls were plastered with all these pictures. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a DJ. So I, that's where my turntables were. Yeah. Um, DJ gel. Yes. <laughs> I did your research. I did my research. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have Jerry curls, man. <laughs> that's how you got the name DJ gel. <laughs> yep. Get the hell yep. out of here. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's stop there. Flemington Park. Yes. Let's go back to like when you're like in that teenage time. Yes. What was a young Chris Jackson like in Flemington Park before DJ Gel? Yeah, before DJ Gel in Flemington Park, <laughs> I was a Gallus. So <laughs> <laughs> light skin and shit. I'm telling you, the light skin privilege, bro. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was a little shy though, too, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Like I won't front. I'm a grown ass man now. So yeah, I yeah. can say that, right? I was a I was a shy kid and I was a quiet kid. You feel me? Mm -hmm. Because you have to understand. And um, I don't know how many people come on here and talk about their true real life and their real life stories, mm -hmm. but again, I'm an adult. So I feel comfortable doing that. And yeah. I encourage other people to just be real. No, for right? sure. So having said that, like I was adopted from birth. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like I was, you know, I, I was, I was, I had a mother and father growing up and they loved me. You know, I had brothers and sisters yeah. and they loved me to no end, but I always felt like I was a bit on the, the outside. I was different. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that, that made me shy and quiet, but as an observer, yeah. like I always, I watch things and I figure things out and I see, you know, I'm able to know what's going on and what's going to happen. And Okay, I'm not going to fuck with that guy because I can tell that's not the right guy or mm -hmm. not. Right? So I, I, I like watching things. And um, shit, where was I going with this? <laughs> um, being a young, you know, being a oh, young, a young girl, kid in Fleming in Park. Fleming so, because, so, yeah. So, and just to ask, when you were adopted, were you adopted by your, were your parents living in Flemington Park at the time? They were not. They okay. were not. Right? We were out, uh, we were in uh, actually Rexdale. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was in Rexdale. And, huh. That's kind of funny. It's funny how the universe works. And I mm -hmm. say that because uh, I'm messing with this young cat now, Thelonious, and he's from Rexdale. Okay. And, Full uh, circle. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I, I, I just clued into that. Yeah. And that's why I took such a liking to him, right? Because, mm -hmm. again, the universe works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Right? So I'm, I'm just thinking, right? I'm going off track, but I'm thinking that that's, that was the connection. That's what drew me to him. So yeah. I'm, I'm getting behind this kid because he's really got a lot of, a lot of talent. Yeah. So. Right? You, you, you're in this family in, in the Rex. Yes. What was the reason that 
the family moved from Rexdale all mm. the way to the other side of town into the east. It wasn't east. even that. We didn't even we didn't reach the east yet. Okay. Oh, my story's deep, bro. Because <laughs> right? yes, when I was living in the Rex, like I was I was a bit I was adopted into the family into the Rex. Okay. Right? So I sp- spent a few years there. I have some memories of being a kid there, you mm-hmm. know, running around. I remember stepping on a, a board in the park that had a nail, went in my foot. So I had to go to a hospital, get shot. So I remember I have memories of being a kid yeah. in the Rex. And then my dad adopted that. He owned property in Bob Cajun. Mm-hmm. And we would always go there in the summer for vacation. We used to have a little trailer, but it was a lot of property he owned. I don't know right. how he got it. Right? Shit was cheap then and he's smart. He's an he's an entrepreneur. Right. Um and uh my mom decided, or my parents decided they wanted to move to Bob Cajun and build a house. Mm-hmm. Right. So then we left Rexdale and moved to Bob Cajun. So we went from the, the city to the country. To the country. Yeah. Right. Which is, was a total like new environment. Right. And you're as around a, how old at this point? As a kid, it's fun though. Yeah. Right. Because you're a kid and there's wildlife. And I don't even want to guess at the age, but I was like maybe probably pre- pre-teens. five. Yeah. Like, way yeah. preteens. Like yeah. Five to seven, maybe. Right. So we lived there while they were building the house, big house. Spent a few years there. I went to school there. Had to get picked up by the bus. Um, and that's when I first started seeing a lot of racism because there was actually a lot of uh, Native mm-hmm. children in my school that I went to. I think it was called Buckhorn, actually. Okay. And that's when I started seeing racism and mm-hmm. stuff, right? And that's when people started asking me, what are you? What are you? And I didn't know any of that. Yeah. Because that was never really taught to me or drilled to me. I just knew I had two parents that loved me mm-hmm. and I had a brother, a sister, whatever. So that's the first time I saw racism. Um, then we left there and then we moved back to the city. Okay. And we moved to the park. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So then I moved to the park and uh, growing up in the park, I was just a kid that, you know, played sports. We hung out. We went to the resource center, mm-hmm. the community center. We caused trouble. We had fun. Right? Yeah. Organi- organized sports. Got into, started DJing, got into the music. The thing about the hood and growing up in the hood is like it's, there's a family. It's a family. Mm-hmm. When you're on the streets, there's a family there with you. I don't know. It's not the same now when people talk about fam. It's, yeah. it's different. There's still family, but it's different. Mm-hmm. Right? But we used to just, and we were all super creative. You know, we had dance crews and, and hip hop back in the day. Yeah. Like we could go to jungle and we used to go to Rex and go to these different places mm-hmm. and, and parties at the community center because sound systems would come in, Shik Dynasty and Sunshine yeah. and all these sounds, right? And they would have parties at the different community centers and everybody from the hoods. Just like when you watch these movies about the New York, right? And the mm-hmm. different boroughs and then they'd have the dance battles. Same shit, bro. Yeah. You know? And there was fights and, and knucklehead stuff, but it wasn't like, wasn't on that that level that it's on now. Yeah. And when we had beef, it was like, yeah, all right, I'm challenging you to a rap battle. Yeah. And then your crew from Fleming would come and post up, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a real b-boy shit. That's the first time I met MC Rumble. And that's, you know, yeah. a legend. Um, to Rumble. There was a house, a ba- uh, party room party. So Hutchie, who again is a legend, mm-hmm. Al Capone, who's responsible for bringing hundreds of acts across the border mm-hmm. to Ron Nelson's events, All right? Ron Nelson was like the front man, but Hutchie was like the behind the scenes, putting it all together, getting Connected. the artists in Buffalo, driving them here, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why Flemo has such a connection because Hutchie's a Flemo man. Mm-hmm. Howard Hughes is a, a Flemo man, right? So Howard was with Schick Dynasty. Also, he he produced uh, Mishy's first records. Yeah. Right? So there was always a Flemo connection in the business of hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like DJ Cash Money. There's an argument who invented the Transformer Scratch. Okay. But a between lot of, Jazzy Jeff, right? Between Jazzy Jeff, Cash Money, and... I should know the other name, but there's a couple. But yeah. anyway, Cash Money, like when he first came, when he first, when he was becoming popular, like Flemo was the first place he came and he hung mm-hmm. out, right? And then he had a show at the concert hall and stuff like that. Right? Yeah, so, concert So hall. Flemo, yeah. So Flemo always had ties yeah. with, with hip hop. So what about then the DJ Gel times? Because you were a part of a rap group, mm-hmm. but you were the DJ. I was a DJ. I was a producer. I was the manager. I was the get it done guy. What was the name of the rap group? The Get Loose Crew. Get Loose Crew. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I meant to bring a record for you because I have some still. Yeah. But I'll yeah. get you a record. Please do. So man. when this interview plays, you can like post it up in the side. Yeah. <laughs> get Loose Crew, eh? Yes. That's some real 80s hip hop yes. shit, man. And our, our big hit was called Wannabe. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I've heard of the Get you, Loose Crew from back then. You in probably the have. Wow. Right? Wow. Wow. Probably so have. Do your Googles, man. <laughs> you, you, you managed, or you were a manager for GCP Productions, Gu- Guilty Crime Productions. I didn't. I didn't necessarily manage GCP. Mm-hmm. So I was. I was also part of a group called uh, Beats Control, uh, State of Mind. State okay. of Mind is another big one. Uh, S Blank, um, but with so Beats Control changed their name to. Uh... Why am I blanking out? Well, dude, you got to remember, this is like years ago, too, Yeah, but that's, but that's my group. Oh, I said it already. State of mind. State of mind. Didn't I? I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm... <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know. I'm having a little brain fog right now. But to answer your question about GCP, mm-hmm. so there's so much talent in the park. Yeah, right. and that's and the group. And for the people who don't know, that's where where JB came from. Yes. It was like a huge crew in the '90s or mm-hmm. the early '90s. Mm-hmm. Guilty Crime Posse, because mm-hmm. you know Posse, he, a mad amount of people were in that crew. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So break yep. it down. Yep. There's mad amount of people, mad mad amount of talent, and because I was the man in the park with the studio, mm-hmm. all the talent would pass through my place, mm-hmm. and I do the recording and record all these guys. Right. There was other studios around here and there, but Gels, Gels was the guy. Like yeah. that's, he's, he's a park man. That's the guy to go to. He's already in a couple of groups that are doing things like hood celebrities. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it, it is state of mind. I don't, I don't know. Cause I was getting confused with self-defense cause I was mm. with S blank. Yeah, so I was part yeah, of that yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I was DJ for self-defense. But then with state of mind, I was like, you know, again, the DJ manager, producer, engineer get it done guy mm-hmm. get everything done right when beats and 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 fresh b they just wrote lyrics and rapped and they were the rappers and beats was running in the streets and mm-hmm. and they were cousins right and fresh b was more like you know we all ran in the streets but there's levels to this shit yeah right so we're recording gcp guys doing tracks with them and everything and we've got our records out we're doing interviews on much music so it's like they look up to us they're younger cats and then JB was the first one to get put on and 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 break like be pack. an artist, yeah, yeah, break break the pack. And it's because of his voice, man. He was so young, and he had this really deep, commanding voice. Huh, what you need? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he had this nice flow to it, 
right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so he got put on and then through that GCP just kept growing and there was different groups within GCP. Mm-hmm. So I never officially managed GCP, but yeah, that's our crew. So whatever state of mind was doing, GCP was like on the bill or there. Yeah. The man's like Toba Chung, like rest in peace, Toba Chung. Rest in peace. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But um, I did manage JB. So I managed JB for, for a period of time. Okay. Um, I managed Daniel. I managed Perfect Strangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, and these are all like, if, if you do the, 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 the yearage, mm-hmm. right? The lineage of <laughs> yearage, uh, you'll see like, yo, this guy's been consistently doing stuff and helping people. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, and we did things like can't repress the cause, mm. right? For fighting for our urban station. This is before, before G, before flow, right? They, mm-hmm. they, there was a, a license available, yeah. a frequency available. So, you know, you have to put in your applications. So we were, we were lobbying for a black owned station to play black music. Mm-hmm. And in the end, the CRTC awarded it to CBC to give them a second radio channel. Yeah. Right? And now that I work for CBC, you know, I can't complain too much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, no. I can't complain. I'm just being you, you, just like, being silly. But at the time, it was like, what do you mean? They, why are you giving them another channel? Mm-hmm. And at that time, CBC wasn't really representing us either. So that's why there was so much hostility and frustration yeah. around the situation. Yeah. And even like back then... You produced a song for Maestro and D Shan. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Um, um, what's don't it called? Don't play charade or, or don't charade. play charade. It's called charade. But like charade. <laughs> Sick when you do that. Holy! <laughs> Insert video clip here. <laughs> you have to reach DJ Law for that clip. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's because the Ministry of Health. Um, see, that's a, that's what's changed a lot too, from back in the day, like. When we're coming up and trying to do things and be rappers, mm-hmm. like the Ministry of Health and the and the Toronto Police Force, and they were organizing tours of schools and taking us on them. Mm-hmm. Right? I was on a tour with HDV, the pimp on the microphone. HDV, right? holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> right? So HDV and, and self-defense and uh, I'm, trying to, uh, I'm trying to think who else was on it that we would know that became something. Um, there's a few of them, man, a few groups, but we would go to these people or, or answer contests. There would be a contest like, oh, submit a song talking about AIDS. Yeah. Right. So I think that that's how that went down is S blank submitted something mm-hmm. and then he won. Oh yeah. He won the first year. Okay. Right. So then I, they did some promotions with him and whatnot and he got some money and everything. And then the second year, uh, the Ministry of Health wanted Maestro to do the song, mm. but they wanted S Blank to produce it because it was like, oh, last year's winners produced. And plus, S Blank, we were doing things then. Right. We were like ghetto celebrities. So that's how that song came about. So S Blank and I both produced it. Okay. Because right? we were a crew and Maestro was recording with us. And, we, you know, I brought him to the studio. So we were friends. Mm-hmm. And it's funny with Maestro because he always calls me and he still does once in a while. and be like, yo, Gel, Gel. Still calls me Gel. So like <laughs> Mishy will call me Gel. Daniel calls me Joe. Like some people still call me Joe, right? Wow. Um, but Maestro will call me once in a while, even from the East Coast. And he's like, yo, Joe, Joe, oh, I wrote this new tune. You'll peep this. And then he just spit the lyrics for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or talk to me about concept because he's a real concept guy. Yeah. Right? Because we all we were all concept artists back in the day, mm-hmm. really. Um, and I'll be like, yeah, dope, dope, dope. And so that's what happened with charades. He's like, yo, check out this song. I want to call it charades. Like, you know, like get it. Like 
don't charades, yeah. charades. And then he explained the concept. He spit some bars and he's like, yo, I want to get Deshan on it. Cause she was like, you know, she, she was, was a female then. rapper that was popping. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how that came about. So then like, not fast forwarding, but yeah. just a little bit in time, like 09, let's say. Mm-hmm. You started working for CBC around that uh, time. I started at, in 07. 07. 06. I started in, near the end of 06. Okay. Just like a temporary mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the Glenn Gould studio. Yeah, yeah. Because you had like little temporary positions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you mentioned yeah. the Glenn Gould studio. Stuff, but like yeah. officially it was like 09 so around that time. No? Nope. So I started temporary in the Glenn Gould as like a technician, audio technician assisting on whatever. Mm-hmm. Live shows or recordings. And then... Then they offered me a year contract in 07. Okay. And then before that year ended, they made me permanent. All right. So, yeah. And uh, I think it was wait. November of 07 yeah. is when I started a full-time at CBC. That's dope. So, yeah. so let's stop there for a second. Yeah. And unpack this part of it. Because you got into doing the stuff at, at Glenn Gould and mm-hmm. you were doing art. You were working with audio and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? Because I started as a DJ in the 80s. Ah. And I'm about that life. Okay. And That's I never what finished that story. For. Let me real quickly while we wrap this. Please do, please so do. So if you think back, I talked about a story about taking pictures out of Write On Magazine, mm-hmm. putting them on my walls. I was so vain that, and the thing we did back in the days, we were always out taking pictures, posing up, B-boys posing, taking pictures with cameras, real cameras. Yeah. Right? Phones didn't exist. Right? Mm-hmm. And being about that life. And then we developed them, right? Yeah, like in dark rooms bl- and shit like I that. I would blow them up to magazine size, size, wow. or full size posters, right? And put them on my wall like I'm the star. So you would make your own posters. Exactly. And Sick. put it on the, the wall beside like Heavy D or, you know, mm-hmm. whoever, MC Shan or, yeah. you know, Run DMC. That's right? dope. Right? I would even. Get a stencil. Back in the days, we used to make flyers by having this stencil that had letters and you'd scrape them off. Mm-hmm. So we'd scrape them onto the paper with the address or the DJ's name that, and then photocopy them. That's how we made flyers. Wow. But I would take those stencils and I would stencil my name onto the picture, just like as if it was in Right On Magazine. So you were doing graphic designing <laughs> before you could, like, before there was Photoshop. Before there was graphic. <laughs> <laughs> even the word graphic designing, to be right? honest. That's crazy. I never thought of that. That's hilarious. Yo, I'm, I, I have the, the, you know, the, the brain blowing up emoji. Yeah, yeah. That's happening to me right now, fam. That's crazy. Because well, we remember, we were kids. Yeah. Right? We were just being kids. There was no pressure on us to, like, be like an American rapper that's got tons of gold and mm-hmm. talking about bitches. No. Big Bismarcky was picking boogers and like, yeah. you know, having fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was different. There was a different pressure on us. I mean, the the, the life was still there, right? Like mm-hmm. we used to we used to walk in in uh Dominion at the time, which is now called Metro. Yeah. Right? Get bags from the cashier and just fill them, walk around shelves, fill them up and walk out. Mm-hmm. Right? And they you know, they know, like, and that's just the life. Cause you want to, you got to eat. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but we were still kids when mm-hmm. it came to the music thing and we wanted to be something. We wanted to, you know, we did, I guess we did think that we were them. Yeah. Same way I think a lot of kids are now. They see these American rappers, whether they're real thugs or drug dealers or not. I'm not here to talk about that part of it, mm-hmm. but there's an image that's being portrayed by the industry. 
So the kids on the street here, they want to be like that. Yeah. Right? So they, they're emulating that, whether they're into it or not. And I have a 15-year-old son mm-hmm. who raps the lyrics and acts all bad, you know? Yeah. But he's not. He's a high-level and very intelligent soccer player. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's the mu- he loves the music. We listen to the same music. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's not going that extra level where he's like all G'd up. Yeah. He doesn't have to be. So even like in, like as you started working at CBC and like time started going on, right? You started to dig back into the management and you mentioned mm-hmm. Danny O before. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were managing Perfect Strangers, the group mm-hmm. that he had with, with Promise. Yep. Right? So how did that come to be? Like, and before that, you actually started your company, East Park Pro. East Park Pro started in, in the 80s when okay. I put out the Get Loose Crew record. Okay, so that's our, that was already in existence. It was East, E-A-S-T, Park oh. Productions. That's the, uh, that was the label, East, East Park Productions, EPP. Then through time, and we all reinvent ourselves and grow, mm-hmm. then I just shortened it to East, E-A-S, Entertainment and Sound. Park is always the represent, representation of Flemo. So yeah, I'm always yeah. going to rep Flemo. And then the pro is just the shortening of production, mm-hmm. which later became my motto of keep it pro. Keeping it pro. Right? Okay. I see yeah. the evolution there. <laughs> okay. Okay. So then you started the big ticket series in 2012. 2012. Yes. Right? And that was the monthly concert series DJed by my homie, our, our brother DJ Law. Yes. You know what I'm saying? DJ Law. And bro, so many people I've seen come through and do some crazy shows on that stage. So, like, I watched the Soccer Tea Show. Right. Um, <laughs> DOS FX. Right. The late, great Fife Dog. Fife. That was incredible. Like, MOP. MOP. Yeah. So, first, let's, let's start with what, what inspired you to start that series in the first place? Hmm. What inspired me to start that series is my passion for the music and the culture. Mm-hmm. And my, my growth and my work at CBC. Okay. That's what inspired it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, then came, you know, talking to law cause law hit me up and wanted to do something, mm-hmm. a monthly something. Daniel hit me up about something. So that's, those are the contributing factors, but CBC played a big role in it because I was out recording bands all over the country and in the States, I would go for South by Southwest and mm-hmm. do live broadcasts and I'm engineering and doing all this fun stuff. Cause I guess you can't call it work when it's fun. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm meeting all the top bands, every genre. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like I'm exposed to all these, like I'm not just hip hop. Right. CBC tries to pigeonhole me like that, but I'm not. And they know that, mm-hmm. but you still get put in that box anyway. Right. So I'm exposed to all this great music, right? Recording film scores, like award-winning film scores. Wow. Right? Like Life of Pi. Wow. Right? Yeah. So that was done at the Ghoul. Good There's book. Too, so man. many. Yeah. yeah. So many movies, mm-hmm. right? Um, so being out in clubs, the horseshoe or whatever it is, mm-hmm. recording all these indie bands, singer-songwriters, I started to notice a pattern, Right. Not just the pattern of these are the people, Serena Ryder, whoever that CBC records and puts on air, mm-hmm. but the pattern of how they're treated as opposed to black artists. Right. But I also noticed the pattern of how we treat them. And when I say them, I mean like 
engineers, club owners, bartenders, right? Mm. So at first, at first, my, uh, I hope you got a couple cards because <laughs> I got stories for days. Listen, I, I can record three hours of audio and video. Right. No problem. We nice. good over here. Nice. So my first, my first thought process was I'm sitting in a truck outside of El Macombo at the time or some, some venue. I don't know. And I'm thinking, man, I wish we did more with hip hop. And they really knew how deep hip hop was, like how, how deep our history is. Right. And not just record the radio friendly artists like Classified, Chaos, K9. Right. Yeah. Like the, the radio, CBC radio friendly rappers, Shad. And there's no shots at them either. I love yeah, Shad. Yeah, because you've had them on them st- yeah. other stages too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. These are my, it's my family. These are my people, my mm-hmm. friends, my, my, my colleagues. Right. So I'm not, I'm not here putting shots. You'll know when I put a shot at someone. <laughs> <laughs> Trust. Um, so actually, I introduced CBC to Rich Kid, by the way. Wow. Rich will tell you that. He may forget, but I was, I was actually in Texas mm-hmm. and I introduced Rich to James Fast, who was an executive, or not James Fast, James, oh, fuck, I forgot his last name, James, James something, but he was an executive producer at the time of Radio 3. Okay. So that's why I was there with Radio 3 doing live to airs and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, this is Rich Kid. He's got a lot of great music. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we play some of your stuff. And I'm like, well, you should record one of his shows. And then from there, they did their research and then paid Rich and recorded shows. And then Rich became that. He became in that circle. He, he entered that circle, that right. CBC circle. Right? So, and when, when you think about it, when you listen back to all this, this is how the dots get put together, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Rich made that CBC connection first. Right. Right? Then what did Rich do? He was in another group. Right? Yeah. He was in... Uh, Natural Born Stain. No, before that. With um, Junior T? No, the white guy. Sorry. He's Sunreal? Sunreal. Sorry. Mm. I, I'm sorry. I forget I said the, the name white of the guy. group that he was in with, but it was What was with it Sunreal. called? It was called. Uh, uh, hold on. I'll go do a, I'll do a quick. Um, anyway, so, but, but, you know, as a producer, Rich is a smart guy and he, and he knows people. So he got in this group with Sunreal, right? Sunreal. Oh, another CBC friendly rapper, right? But then you, then you bring in. Uh, then Rich continues to grow and he brings other people in. And now these other artists, they have relationships with CBC. Right. So the, the reason I'm saying this is because it is about connections and connecting the dots and no one gets to where they are just like that. It's about knowing people and, and working hard. Um, but back to the story. So I thought to myself, it would be great if CBC documented through performance the history of Canadian hip hop. Right. Because we're 30 years deep in it. It's 2011. We're like coming up on 30 years deep in it in this country. Right. And we have a really deep history from Dream Warriors to, you know, to Ghetto Concept to, to, to Canaan. Because it, it was a big time around then for Canaan with Waving Flag. And not to interrupt you, The Closers yeah. is the name of their group. The, the close, yes, the closers. yes, the closers. Yeah, yeah I just it. did a Google search on it. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The memory's not what it was. No, that's cool, man. <laughs> that's what I'm here for, yo. So, okay, so um, that's it. Continue. Um, so, so yeah, the so, concert series. And, yeah, and- so before I did Big Ticket, I said to CBC, I think we should do this. Right. I think we should do a big live concert and get all the artists, hip hop artists, 
from like Maestro up until now, mm-hmm. which was Rima Major. She was like really hot coming out right then. Yeah. And Kanon uh, was really hot. Mm-hmm. And Drake was hosting the Junos the year. So short, long story short, they agreed to do this. Right. Right. And Drake was hosting the Junos that year, which was three nights before the CBC show that I produced. Mm. And Drake was the only artist who turned down the offer to come. Oh, man. They said, it doesn't matter how much money you offer him, Mm -hmm. he will not do this show. And then he got snubbed at the Junos because he hosted it and then didn't win. Wow. He was pissed. This is just behind the scenes stuff. He was like literally pissed Mm -hmm. at the Junos, like for using him to host. And then he was expected to win. And he didn't. Wait a minute. So he thought he was going to win an award when he went that to, yeah. when he hosted that night. Yeah, that's crazy. I know, right? Jesus I'm God. not going to host an award show that I'm nominated in a category for and not win. That's embarrassing. Yeah. And quick story, and I don't want to get into this at all, but there was a hip hop award show a few years ago in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Mike Boogie and I were asked to host. I was also nominated for Promoter of the Year, Big Ticket. Right. There was a couple other promoters nominated. I told the guy who wanted me to host, I said, I just want you to know I'm not coming out here to host this and lose, right? Mm-hmm. Strong arms on people sometimes mm-hmm. and lose the award. Yeah. And he said, don't worry. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right? Because it was based on votes though too, right? Yeah, yeah. So anything can happen when it's based on votes. And he's mm-hmm. like, don't worry about it. I'm sure you're going to win. Because there was really nobody that could test the big ticket vibes. <laughs> oh, the big ticket Right, it went on for a, a long space of time, all the way into like 2018. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it went for a long time. That's a I want to go back to what I did with CBC for a second because yes, it's please. important and it's kind of relevant right now because Drake did this big historical concert, which was amazing, mm-hmm. right? And it was really good, and it was great to see all the online hype and everything after the fact. Yeah, um, I just want to put it on record. I already did that in 2012, uh, 11. Mm. And so this is what I'm talking about. We did this thing at CBC called the Hip Hop Summit. And it was actually a month-long thing. There was a bunch of online stuff. And mm-hmm. there, was every, there was a whole thing, right? There was different manifestos involved in it. Jesse and all the boys. And there was different events. There was, yeah. like, there was like panel discussions. All types of things happened, right? Dalton was, you know, uh, we brought Dalton in to, like, advise and help produce this on, on the back end mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the media end. Because, you know, it's what he does. He's an author. and publicist. So I was responsible for like producing the show and getting a lot of the artists. Right. So we had Michi, Maestro, Cardinal, Shaclair, Socrates, Ghetto Concept, uh, Kanon, Chaos, Classified, uh, Rima Major, uh, who else? Rumble was there. Carlito was there, like Be Cool, Carlito. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else performed? Scratch Bastard was a DJ, starting from scratch was a DJ. Wow. So those were my two house DJs. Did I say chaos? Yeah, chaos. Yeah. And that night was the first time. And, you know, being a producer, I like to produce things, mm-hmm. right? Like I even tell artists, I think these are the songs you should perform because I know the type of audience we get. I know how they'll react to these songs yeah. or I know that you got a new video coming out so you might as well perform the song or you have a video you know like I produce shows and that's mm. what producers do yeah right so 
one of the ideas was it would be dope if like we did Backbone, but we had two other rappers who are like hot now. Mm-hmm. So the first time ever anybody else rapped <coughs> Backbone was at this show and it was Shad. Mm-hmm. Shad was on the bill. Shad performed. Wow. Right? So it was Shad and Chaos mm-hmm. each did a verse and then Maestro did a verse of Backbone. So I'd been doing historical stuff and I had all those people on my bill. Yeah. Right? I didn't have Julie Black because Julie Black isn't a rapper and it wasn't about- It was R- a hip hop show. It wasn't about R&B that night. Yeah. Sorry, I got a foot flying Flies here. going crazy. <laughs> all right. Um, it's okay. Um, so yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to put out put that out there. Like, yeah. These shows have happened before, mm-hmm. right? And I did one pretty much very similar to what Drake did, except I don't have Drake's money. What I had to do- I had to go after the corporate money. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So being that person on the inside, you learn. That's why I'm saying you have to watch and learn and listen mm. and get involved. So my motive is how can I take my position inside this corporation, the nation's broad broadcaster? Yeah. And how can I bring in urban? How can I lift up my culture, right? My mm. hip hop culture and my hip hop people, right? Yeah. This was the first real step in doing that was to create this, right? I didn't just put money in everybody's pocket who performed, right? Created something historical. Yeah. And uplifted people and created a moment the same way Drake did. Mm-hmm. And we need those moments. Yeah. And we need the reminders. Even with, this, with the big ticket series to stay on that, right? Yeah. Well, then, and then after that, then it's like, hey, look what I did. I definitely want to do the, more of this. And yeah. then I started big ticket. So- even with that, like getting some of those acts that you had, like that we, that we mentioned, like Fife mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. DOS Effects and stuff like that. What was like some of the process in like bringing some of the people in from the States? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's not easy to get the people from over here. Mm-hmm. But Big Ticket got so hot that it was like, I'm sure it wasn't hard to get the locals to perform. I was like, right, exactly. You're you know like, yo, when you going to put me on again? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was like that. Yeah. But like, it's a different thing to get somebody to get across the border. Like Absolutely. Now you got to be paying a little bit more money, all that type of shit. Absolutely. So like, can you give us a little bit of, of jewels about that process there? Yeah. Um, but that speaks volumes too, to like what we created. And when I say we, I mean like me, you, mm-hmm. the team, the girls at the door, DJ Law, everybody that performed, everybody that came out. Yeah. Right. Like we created Big Ticket together. Yeah. I just had an idea and knew how to execute it. Right. Mm-hmm. So. That speaks volumes because Big Ticket reached across the border. Yeah. People knew about it. People wanted to come up and be part of that shit. I turned down hundreds of artists from the States. Really? Even uh, Sonic Bids. I don't know if you know Sonic Bids. Sonic I've heard Bids. the name. Sonic Bids is one of these. I don't even know if it's still around, but it's one of these like online concert booking platforms. Yeah. So you sign up with a profile, you put your music up, bios, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. links to your website, pay a fee every year. And then you get listings of all these festivals and shows. And then you just apply to them and hope you get picked. Right. South by Southwest, North by Northeast, or Joe Blow's hip hop show or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you hope to get picked. They contacted me, this is an American company, right? and said, we would like you to advertise on Sonic Bids. And this is how it works. You get X percent of everybody who applies to be on your show. Wow. Right? So I thought about it. I'm like, okay, this is a way to monetize and make more money. Mm-hmm. Right? So I signed up to do that. 
So they started advertising each big ticket. All the requests I was getting was from American artists, mm. like Buffalo, right? Chicago, New York, Detroit, Philly, Detroit, right? They were coming in, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them, they I just wasn't feeling the music. It wasn't my shit. And yeah. Toronto wouldn't have liked it. I know what Toronto wants. Yeah. And there was a couple good ones. But then there's that whole process of like getting them over the border. And it's not even going to be worth their time because the I'm not paying like that. Yeah. I'm at that time. I'm not paying like that for, for this unsigned artist to come from Chicago to Toronto to perform 20 minutes at big ticket. Yeah. Right. However, I was making a little change off it. Right. Cause I was making my percent. Mm-hmm. But then to be honest, I was like, this isn't fair. Right. Yeah. Like I made a little bit of change, but I don't want to keep taking people's money knowing that I'm not going to book any of these acts. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. just stopped doing the Sonic Bids thing. I think it was, who was it? You tell me, was Fife before DOS Effects? I think Fife was um, after DOS Effects. Right. So DOS was first, and their manager, I forget her name, I think it might have been Michelle, something like that, mm-hmm. reached out to me and wanted to know, if I'm interested in bringing DOS up here to do a show. Wow. And I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I said, of course. I'm like, how are we going to make that happen? What do they want? Mm-hmm. This and that. So she gave me her numbers. And I said, well, these are the numbers I'm working with. This mm-hmm. is what I could do. She's like, you know, and this includes hotel, whatever, transportation, all yeah. that. Right? So we agreed. Right? Somewhere in the middle. And then she's like, okay. So don't bother filling out the custom forms and all of that stuff. She goes, they're just going to cross the border and say that they're going to their cousin's or a friend's (laughs) house for a birthday party. Right? And then while they're there, because they're going to say, are you going to perform? Oh, yeah, we're just going to do one song at this girl's party. Mm. Right? Because they got the laptops and the music and all that. Yeah, because they're going to be traveling with equipment, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? No DJ, just the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Right? And uh, I said, okay, I don't know if that's going to work. Right? So I didn't have to give any money up front. I mm-hmm. just had to uh, pay for the tickets. Okay. To get here. Right? So I sent them their tickets. They showed up. You know, I had someone pick them up at the airport. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh Brought them out to dinner when they got here. Went, did the show, and that was that, right? Wow. And they, they got paid, and they went on their way. But so that's to answer your question. Uh, that's how I brought DOS. They slipped <laughs> right? through, bro. Yeah, Holy. I did. Yeah, exactly. The slip through, right? <laughs> that's the, sick. Yeah, the slip through. So then the next one I did might have been Fife. I think the next one I did was Fife. And for the people who don't, like, RIP to the late great Fife. But you know, for the for the babies who don't like have to, who need to connect a name, or, yes. or, Fife was one of the of the four members of a tribe called Quest. Okay, Fife, no. legendary yep. group with Q Tip, Jerobi, and 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 Ali Shahima, Ali Shahi Muhammad. You know what I'm saying? So do your googles for the babies. But Fife Dog, legend. Okay, the five foot assassin. You know yes, what I'm saying? and I guess Q Tip would be looked at as the leader of the group, but a lot yeah. of people think that Fife was a better rapper, and I. Had better bars. I have yeah. to agree, man. And he dropped solo albums after yeah. and he yeah, started yeah. doing his own thing. Both of them. Yeah. So yeah. go check him out for sure. Yeah, for real. Listen to his music. 
Um, so how, how did you get Fife over So here? Fife, this was when the Raptors were hot, mm-hmm. right? So I got a call from an industry colleague, right? Friend. It's important to have friends and make professional relationships yes. in this business. That's why I'm here today. Yes. Right? And uh, so I got a call from somebody and say, yo, Fife Dog's coming to do the Raptors halftime show. Mm. He wants to know if there's anywhere else to perform. So I thought, do you want to do a big ticket with Fife? So I was like, say no more. Of course I do. <laughs> right? So again, I escaped all the paperwork because mm. that was all done. I didn't even have to send him a plane ticket because he was already, already coming. He's already going to be here. Right? Sick. I just had to throw him some change, pick him up at the hotel. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's it. And that's exactly what happened. So that was the Fife Dog. We brought him over to Max FM and did an interview with him and mm-hmm. hooked up Maloney for Breaking Records Radio. So some people got some good stuff out of that, pictures and clips. And cause that was the last time he ever performed in Canada. It was like one of his last shows. Yeah. And we were talking about, I was talking with his DJ about, because he had the album coming out and we knew about that. We talked about that. I talked to Fife about that. And mm-hmm. he wanted to come back and do a tour with the record. Yeah. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'm your guy, man. Let's do it. So that, in my head, that was like the big ticket tour. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I was going to do. Good fight, but, dog. Yeah. But unfortunately, that never happened. But, you know, that, so, that, so that was the Fife. Um, and then MOP. So then after that, yeah. it's funny, because even before Mash that, posse. I had other promoters now because of the success of Big Ticket. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember, when we're talking like Fife and DOS Effects and MOP, this is like year four, maybe year five. You're four for sure mm-hmm. of big ticket, right? So this is four years strong every month. So it's still relatively young in the in the in the big ticket series. Yeah, yeah. but we kept evolving, and this shows, right? Yeah. You know? So then other promoters started contacting me, people from the Phoenix, and again, this has always been my mandate, and this will be my this is this is one of my mandates for CBC. This mm-hmm. is one of this is my mandate for my community. You know what I'm saying? And 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 our people is. Stop this the the separation. We can all work together. Right. Industry folks, we can all work together. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if I have a podcast, I'm not gonna be mad and throw shade on your podcast. Yeah. There's plenty of food out there. We can work together. And you know what? I'm even gonna promote your podcast for you on my show. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because if we're airing our, our drop dates, they're not even the same. And guess what? When someone's done watching mine, they want to do something else. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell them, well, go check out Fridays because he's got some dope content. Yeah. You feel me? So this is how we have to work together. And I would tell promoters that too, right? So f- promoters from the Phoenix, right? And Jonathan Ramos and other people would hit me up yes. and be like, Jonathan. hey, I'm doing this show. Do you want to do like a co-pro? Mm-hmm. Right? So then I start co-presenting or they'll be like, hey, I got 20 tickets for you to give away. Yeah. So I would give tickets away, a big ticket to these shows. Mm, right. Or I remember do, that. Yeah, yeah. Or do some online promo. Right. Yeah. To, 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 to again, lift up the big ticket brand, but also my people. And right. So I started working with other promoters and then the MOP and what was the other one? The MOP show was a show with Ramos. It was a co-pro. Right. Right. No, we were, it was just, it was just MOP. It was, we were like focused on MOP. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah so yeah, the yeah. MOP, the MOP show was uh, a co-pro with Ramos. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of his production company at the time. Um, it was it was uh, Ramos Production. Was it Ramos? Like yeah. But he had an, there's another name of it though. There's a. Uh, I because I, I mean, it's it's huge now. 
Yeah. Um, but I remember at the time when it was like yeah. still underground and like even like we were doing shows. And he was there. running that, sh- that, what was the club on Queen there? That there, did it. There was a club, um, there was one by Bathurst. Yeah, Bathurst and Queen. What was <sighs> that? Because that's, sh- that's where the show was. Frick, I don't even remember what that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Called. I can't remember the name. Wow. Anyway, right so Ramos, so Ramos took care of all the paperwork for that. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And then you know we just dealt with the business on the other end. Yeah. So even in that time with Big Ticket, you and with you started evolving into getting into other other um, platforms. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of full circle with. Your job working at CBC, mm-hmm. right? You started Max FM. Yes, yes. Right, and that that evolved into Max TV. Right, right. <laughs> so tell me in the beginnings of Max FM and what inspired that in the first place. So what inspired that was Mike Boogie. It's, okay, that's actually his baby. Mm-hmm. He came to Big Ticket one day, and I think it was when we were doing Big Ticket at the Wrong Bar in Parkdale. Wow, and he wrong came bar. because I know, right? Wrong bar. It's the right bar for Big Ticket. <laughs> Um, so again, big ticket was bubbling and Mike Boogie had this idea. And for those of you who don't know, you can do your Googles, you know, Mike Boogie rapper out of Oshawa. He had, he did some big things back in the days. He had his, his time. Um, but again, he's, he's hip hop. So he wanted to do something to contribute to hip hop and elevate it. And in this new, new era of, of digital and social media and websites. So he wanted to do an online radio station. So he came to me and said, hey, man, nice to meet you. I, I want to do an online radio station. Right. And I asked people, like, who should I talk to to help with this? And they're like, you got to talk to Chris Jackson, man. And, like, he's doing big ticket. He knows all the artists and works at CBC. And he's, he's just the guy. Right. So Boogie and I sat down, sat with his brother, and we talked about his vision. And, again, like, Boogie had the idea, but he had no idea how to make it happen. Right. Right. So me, me having experience in the industry and being an ideas person, like, fuck yeah, you want to do a radio station? You can do that easy. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, we met, we talked about logistics. Right. Anthony took care of all the financials for it. Um, put the station together, executed that. We started getting DJ to do mix mixes. So we had yep. mixed shows. We started giving people their own radio show. Cause again, this is an opportunity for me to provide an opportunity for other people. Mm-hmm. Right. So like Dusty Wallace, right. That's my boy. Or, or, or trap. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Trap. Trap of John. Yes. So I said, yo, have a radio show, promote you as an artist yeah. on this platform and play other music. Right. And we did that with a lot of people. We gave a lot of people radio shows. Right. Uh, Maloney had breaking records radio, but mm-hmm. he was doing it somewhere else. And he interviewed me for one of them. Yeah. And I love the way he, he's a good interviewer, just like yourself. Thank you. And I love the format of his show. And at that time, I was like, bro, I, like, forget where you are. Come over to Max. It'll be a better life over here. Yeah. And he, he jumped ship and he came with us. So that was one of our, our what's the word I'm looking for? Like main shows that, mm-hmm. that we pushed because he's on it every week. Yeah. Right. So we had a lot of pre-recorded stuff, but we did a lot of live shows. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Boogie and I did the shit show. Yeah. Which was, you know, kind of supposed to be like a funny show, shitting on people's music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I hosted the three to six show with DJ Shortcut. Yeah. I think I was on, a, it was like a Saturday show. Yeah. Right? You came on I, the three I to was six. On that you show. were there. I interviewed I, you on I, that. I did a 
for the clip from that show kind of went viral. It went viral kind of early. Too. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it was a place for people to come and do interviews and do the same thing, have conversations and mm-hmm. promote your material. Mm-hmm. Right? And then it was Anthony who said, I want to do a video side of this. Mm-hmm. So then that was Max TV. But again, how do we do it? So I had to execute that and lay those plans out. And, yeah. And, you know, cr- again, create content. I was creating content and, and recruiting shows and producing stuff. And, yeah. You know, switching and doing audio and doing cameras. And it's like a lot. Like, I have so many different things that pop into my brain when you when you talk about, like, bringing something like that together. Because mm-hmm. essentially, we didn't have or we don't have mm-hmm. a lot of different urban radio stations and different stuff like that. So you and and Mike Boogie mm-hmm. did the undertaking of let's create a whole new spot for people to go and find urban music yep. and, and and culture. Yep. So there must have been a lot of obstacles in putting that kind of process or putting that type of platform together. Yeah. Can you give give us a few of those like even just how to like put that together like knowing okay a frequency or yeah. um or, or what or how you're gonna stream and yeah how you're gonna stream yeah. where's our office gonna be yeah yep. like all that's that. how you figured out a lot of stuff before that just was in front of everybody's face exactly right? there's a lot that has to go on in the back end before it even happens yeah right? so if you have a thought or an idea don't be discouraged Right. Mm-hmm. If, it, if 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 you don't make it happen or you don't have the connection right away, mm-hmm. just stay focused on it because it's going to take time and you have to have your plan and get every all your ducks in a row, as they say. Right. Yeah. So there were a lot of obstacles and there's things like landlord. Right. Mm-hmm. And neighbors complaining about loud music or yep. smoke. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? There's all of that. So those are all ops or leaky, leaky roofs. Mm. But we had to deal with leaky roofs for over a year. And I'm like, I told Anthony, he said, they need to fix this because I can't bring people here to do interviews or TV shows. Again, like, like John from, uh, uh, again, I'm forgetting the company names. My bad. <clears throat> Video guy, but we did a show called uh, TLDR. Okay. Right? Too Long Didn't Read. So it was mm-hmm. like a, it was going to be the, the Canadian version of, of uh, TMZ. Okay. Right. So we sat around the desks. We had topics. We talked about these topics. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we had a special guest come in. You know, we showed clips. So we created all this content to try and push and give people a platform. Right. Yeah. Give the camera guy an opportunity to, to shoot stuff yeah. and add it to his reel. You know what I'm saying? Give a sound guy an opportunity or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. So we created a lot of content and there were a lot of obstacles, mostly with just like building, building the building itself. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else you just got to get in line, right? Yeah. Um, and then, what a lot of people didn't realize with this, right, is that once we created the app, yeah, because y'all made an app too. Yeah, we were streaming directly into people's homes because it was part of Roku TV. Mm-hmm. So Anthony handled the back end. Anthony works in the film industry, um, and he's he does contracts and. Like he, so he's very intelligent when it comes to the entertainment right? and he knows how to research and find things and get things done. So he handled all of that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So he managed to get Max TV on Roku. So if you buy a Roku TV, right, like a TV that has Roku, yeah, then you would have one of the apps on it would have been Max 
FM right, or Max right. automatically on your automatically TV. on your yeah. TV. So when we look at our, our 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 numbers, that's why the numbers were so high, and we could see like in the states there was huge numbers. Mm-hmm. In uh, UK there was huge numbers. Italy was another spot. Um, uh, there was an Asian country. I can't. I don't want to misquote it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So those were like our top countries for, yeah. for views from the from, and, and Canada from the was TV. Like, yeah, from the from. Well, yeah, or app, online, or online. Yeah. Um, at the time, I, I don't remember looking at the difference. Mm-hmm. Like, did this person listen from their TV or did they listen from a computer? Yeah. Per se, right? It's all online. Yeah. Right. It's just how are you consuming this content, yeah. or was it from an app from the phone? All I know is that we had 1.3 million listeners this month in a certain area. That's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, but our our numbers in Canada were disgustingly low, mm-hmm. right? But for us, that was okay because I was still, we were still providing a platform and somebody outside of Toronto, outside of Canada was listening to the music yeah. the shortcut was playing and the shit that I was talking, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that made it worth it, but it was a lot to do because I was doing that, working full-time at CBC, yep. right? Doing big ticket, right? And just living. So that's a lot. But I was, that was, that's my life. That's, that's, that's what I was about. Yeah. Right. So I just did it. And you don't really think about what you're doing. When we were kids, we just did it. We didn't think that we were going to create this. Cardi didn't know he was going to become this international superstar. Mm -hmm. Right. He wanted that, but he just did it. Yeah. And then when you get to levels and you're like, okay, now I'm learning more. And that's why I say watching. You learn a lot from watching. Man's Mm going to need to shut the fuck up sometimes. Yeah. Right. Everybody wants to talk and give their opinion. You know what it's like when you argue with the man on the block, right? Everybody's right, right, right. Fuck you. You're wrong. Right, right, right. No, my opinion. Whoever's loudest is right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But real talk, sometimes we need to shut the fuck up and just have a real conversation. Yeah. And listen. And what is yeah. what are your thoughts? You know, like what do you think? What is your opinion on this? Yeah. Right. And and you'd be amazed at <clears throat> what you can what you can learn. Um, and that's that's real, that's real talk, right? That's <laughs> well, I do it. Real talk, Thank you. Right? Yeah. Why do you think that Max FM didn't like survive, man? I know we were so ahead of the curve. Yeah, man. we were so ahead of the curve, man. And I think we didn't survive because after a while it became hard for, for me. It became hard for me to manage everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And it became hard for me to convince the other powers that this is the direction we need to go. Right. Right. And then get all those resources, mm-hmm. right? And again, it was just like we had three passionate people. So myself, Mike, and his brother mm-hmm. who wanted to make it happen. Everybody, we gave a radio show. You know, Fresh Kills had a radio show. Like so many people. They were all passionate with, with, about what they did. Yeah. It's just that sometimes life gets in the way, right? Like, again, Anthony's still working full time. Mm-hmm. He's traveling all over the world yeah. because with work on film sets, right? and then. When he's done that, he's on vacation, mm-hmm. right? So I could never reach him and and things just, it was too much for me to do. Yeah. And Boogie started falling out of the picture. He wasn't doing things the same anymore. And then for me, it's like, I can't keep this afloat myself. Mm-hmm. It takes too much work. And then I don't have the backative to bring in what I need. Yeah. You feel me? So I'm like, it's time for me just to focus. And I had a kid, mm-hmm. right? So I'm raising, a, I have another baby now in the family. Yeah. So I obviously want to spend my time there. 
So it, sometimes you have to let things go. So I just stepped back mm. with, the, with the thought of returning, but it just turned out that, no, there's enough other great things now. Yeah. Right? But we were ahead of the curve, bro. Bro, that was, that, <laughs> it was the only thing that, it was basically the competition to flow. Yeah. 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 Because college radio wasn't really doing its thing anymore. There nope. wasn't any college station. That was but even when you look tanking. at everybody like with podcasts and, and they're live streaming now, like, mm-hmm. and we had the space for that. We had a separate room that we converted for a TV space yeah. to film stuff. And yeah. then we had the office and the radio part, right? So we could have been pushing out things, you know, even with verses, like we've had those, like we've had those discussions on what kind of content we want to create. Mm-hmm. So we've thought about those ideas. It's just that Swiss Beast and Timberland Boom, put it Got together. To first, man. <laughs> you know what Damn. I mean? <laughs> Damn. So. Yo, listen, that, that was a really, really dope time. And even for everything that you've been able to do, like all the work in front of the scene, behind mm-hmm. the scenes, right? And especially with the behind the scenes stuff that you do, right? Can you give some people like some advice on how they can prepare themselves to get like a job behind the scenes? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who watch this network and they're a little bit rough around the edges, but mm-hmm. they want to be able to get into the to the scene, get more involved, get more immersed, but they don't really know how to prepare themselves. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, right. can, you know, can you give the some people a little bit of advice on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think you need to figure out, yeah, you know what? I'm going to, this is a gem I'm going to give you right now, man. Jewelry store is like, open. Jesus. Um... And you get this before you even read my book, okay? You got to work backwards. Mm. You feel me? And that's exactly what I did with every big ticket, right? Is I worked backwards. Okay. And what I mean by that, for example, is what is my idea? And then what is the big picture of that? What do I see? Oh, I see a full house, right? Cheering and screaming, everybody having a good time. Okay, well, before they did that, why are they screaming? Because of the headliner that's on stage. Okay, well, who's the headliner? Who is the support act? Okay, what kind of promo happened? What, right? So I'm now I'm going through all the steps backwards. Yeah. And before I know it, I'm at the front moving forward. But I already know what the end result is going to be because I've mm. seen it. I've lived it. I've processed it. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. And trust me, the universe works in mysterious ways, bro. But aside from that, that's it. You're in to get in the industry. So that's a gem. That's really a gem. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Work backwards. Work Just backwards. mull over that for a bit. Yeah. Right? So now, same thing. You rob a bank. You got to think backwards. Mm-hmm. Right? How did you get away? Where did you go? What did you do with the money? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you saw yourself on the beach. Like, yeah. So same thing. It's same like concept. chess. It's, it's chess. It's not checkers, bro. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. So, but aside from that, I totally, I'm glad you said that there's a lot of people that are rough around the edges and, that, mm-hmm. and that's okay. We're all rough around the edges, right? That's why we educate ourselves. Yeah. You're, like you're a flemo man, bro. Exactly. Right. And that, and that'll come out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I got to keep it pro because if I want to, I want to rub shoulders with certain people, mm-hmm. then I have to be able to maneuver on that level. Yeah. There has to be some type of in. You know what I mean? So you have to assess what it is you're doing, what you want to do, right? And then what are you passionate about? And how do you take that passion and create believers, Mm. right? And once you create a believer, then you have an in. Because, and when I say believer, I don't mean the mandem on the block, right? I don't mean your boy that you 
chop with. I don't mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you really gotta, you gotta like create a believer out of someone because then that's your first in. Because mm-hmm. now that believer, he's 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 in a different circle than you. Yeah. Right. So now he, he has to convince another person. And now maybe that person's the one to say, okay, we'll let him in this circle. Mm-hmm. And now you're in that circle with two believers. And now you got to start showing to get more believers. And now you're in other circles. Yeah. You feel me? So you got to build those relationships. You know what I'm saying? It's building those relationships mm-hmm. and, and respecting those relationships. You know what I mean? And I can say that now because I've, I've, potentially damaged relationships in the past, mm-hmm. but I've also mature and wise enough to know when I need to repair that. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially if it, if it caused somebody like personal hurt, right. and I didn't, that wasn't my intention. Cause trust me, I intentionally hurt people when I want to. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not just saying physically, like mentally, because sometimes that's better to get at someone. Yeah. If they do you fucked up. It's like, okay, I see you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, where am I going with this? <laughs> no, no, even, no, but you're dropping you some get jewels. Your so preparing, people preparing themselves to be able to get into like a CBC themselves mm-hmm. or, you know, be able to get into like a Spotify mm-hmm. or any of these different mm-hmm. places that are popping up all over. Mm-hmm. Like there's a TikTok office out Ex- here. Exactly. You know there's so many opportunities yeah. out there and you're not going to get in it because you're a rapper. It's not going to happen. Mm. You get in it. You get in it because you're a rapper and you want to make the connections. Yeah. But the rapper is not going to get in. You feel me? You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's the government person, government name person. That yeah, exactly. You're regular. That's the person you. who's going to get in. Yeah. The person who saved up some guap and took a course in something. Mm. Right? Because in taking a course, you're meeting teachers. 99% of the time, the teachers are in the industry yes. in the course that you're taking. Yes. Therefore, they're going to connect you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. and I think it's important for me to point out because we haven't talked about that is I did finally take some type of schooling. Mm. Right? And it was right before I got the job at CBC. Okay. Because I've always, from that little kid in Flemo that was underage and couldn't work, mm-hmm. From the time I was able to work, I worked full-time and did music. Yeah. Whatever I was working at, I was always the best at it, right? But I always did music because I was passionate, and that was my dream, mm-hmm. right? So I, I've seen it. I've yeah. seen the end result. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So through different circumstances, at one point, I had to... Uh, Actually, I'm going to tell you this story because it's kind of another gem because we have to be witty and we always have to keep our eye on the prize. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was working a a job, full-time job, get up every morning, go to work for 730 in the morning, Mm -hmm. work till like three or three thirty, three, I think. I don't know. Then I have the rest of the day to myself. It was convenient for me because from three on, I could do whatever I want. Right. And I could go to work with a couple hours sleep if I had to. Right. So I did that for about 10 years and I had a lot of successes in music too. This is when I was like ghetto superstar. Mm. We were in doing interviews on much music and going to award shows and just hanging out. And you were still working in the night. And I was five. still working my nine to five, or seven to three. Yeah. yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Still working. Cause I got to pay my rent at the time. Right. Mm. I want to drive. I got to, got to pay that car note. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So 
I had to work because the music industry isn't paying. Wasn't paying. Yeah. So I lost that job, but I strategically lost that job because another job I was at years before that, the company was bought and the new owner says to me, so he was deciding who he was going to keep on. Mm -hmm. He wanted to keep me because I'm amazing, everything I do. But he's like, so yeah, I understand you're in the music business too. And he goes, you know, it's really hard to straddle the fence. You got to choose one or the other someday. Mm. So basically he was saying, you either got to choose my company and only be dedicated to me, or you should just dedicate yourself to music. Yeah. My attitude at that time, because I was still young, it was probably in my 20s, maybe. I was like, whatever, man. Fuck you, don't, you can't tell me that. You yeah. Me. But then years later, I'm working this job now. And I don't want to do it anymore, right? Again, I'm at a point where I'm working with another group and things are really bubbling and I just want to do music. Oh, you know, no. And I just want to do music. So I thought, how can I leave? Because I've been there long enough now that I'm like, get a little bit of pension money, mm -hmm. right? And there's some things built up. And if you get laid off, you get a severance. Mm. So they give you money for how many years you get so much money. Right? Yeah. But if you quit, you don't get that. You get nothing. So I'm like, fuck, how can I leave this job but take money with me? Yeah. So I just told my manager at the time straight up, like, you know, I think I've run my course here. Right? And I think it's time for me to move on, but I don't want to quit. Mm. Like, what can we do about that? And he's like, hmm. He goes, I don't know. He goes, well, the department's going to, going to go through some changes. Let me see what I could do. Mm. I swear to God, like two weeks later, he calls me into his office and he's like, uh, yeah, Chris, so this is Becky from uh, HR. Um, we're making some changes and today will be your last day. She just wants to talk to you about that. <laughs> I, the smile you have is the smile that came on my face, bro. <laughs> Trust me. That's crazy. So he leaves the room and Becky's like, uh, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, everything's great. What did mm. you want to talk about? Right? She goes, well, you know, they're, they're, you know they're, they're getting rid of your position and blah, blah, blah. But we're going to give you this severance package, this many weeks pay and blah, blah, mm. blah, if you just sign here. And I'm like, really? I'm smiling. Yeah. She's like, yeah. She goes, is that okay? I'm like, no, no, everything's okay. She goes, okay, we'll just sign here. And I said, well, I'll take it home. I'll look at it. Yeah. And I'll get it back to you. Right? So I took it. I went home. I looked at it. Talked to a few people. And somebody told me, no, you can get more money than that, man. You should be getting this many weeks. Mm. So I went back. I didn't even go back. I sent an email and said, you know, I think to be fair, I should be getting this much, this many weeks. And because it was a supervisor's position, it's going to be hard for me to find a position at that level again. So yeah. you should be giving me this kind of compensation. And they were like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Corporations have money, bro. Yeah. They have money. And they have money for things like this. Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. may cry broke or whatever, but if you listen, people should just drive around for a bit and listen to 680 News. Or, mm. Right? And listen to the, the the business news when it comes on. And when they talk about these corporations and how high it went one day and how low and how high and how much money they have in reserve. And then you'll start to realize there's money out there. Yeah. Right? And it doesn't yeah. just have to be the factors if we're talking about the music industry. Yeah. So that happened. So I got some money, right? I got some money to like go away. It's exactly what I wanted. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what I put in the universe. I want it to happen. Okay. Now I was already working part-time, right? At a record store in Scarborough. So this is why I had the balls 
to make this move is because through connections again, mm-hmm. I started working part-time at a record store in Scarborough, handling the vinyl section. Mm-hmm. It's called the Music Library. And we were actually direct competitors to Eugene. Okay. Right? So Scratch. Yeah, so Scratch, Law, uh, Ritz, all these guys would come and mm-hmm. get the, the new promo records before they came out. Yeah. And if they couldn't get it from Eugene, they'd come to us. Or if they couldn't get it from us, they'd come to Eugene and so on and so forth. So I started handling that. And that gave me the courage to be like, I could do this full time because we also rent equipment, like speaker systems, and we provide sound systems for Carabana for floats. Mm. So in the summertime in July, I'm out there hooking up sound systems on floats. And I got a Carabana story, the horrible time of my life, but I won't go there for this interview. Mm-hmm. Right. But there was money there that I could make and not work this other job. And this job is more related to the music industry. Yeah. You're right. In so it so much. now I can take my, my, artists that I'm working with and now I can ship them to the US to record distributors and mm-hmm. get them in DJ pools and right so this is my whole evolution of how I'm going to make this work for me yeah so now I take some of that money and I invest a bit into the store where I can become now a partner mm-hmm. and make more money and make changes I want to make yep so that went on for probably 2 years maybe yeah about 2 years but then the partner that I was working with, he was, uh, he let the alcohol get to him. And then he started like, we, we were a big, probably the biggest store for ticket sales to Soka Fets, mm. right? And all these parties, not just during Carabana, but anytime like just Marshall Montana or yeah. any of them would come, like the music, the music library was the place, yeah. right? So we would make a lot of money off of ticket sales just like because there's a service fee, $3, $5, whatever it is. That's pocket money. Yeah. Just to sell that promoter's ticket. So, but then he started taking the promoter's money and like wasting it and drinking it and mm. doing foul shit and not paying bills. And he was behind on rent and, and that's not good business, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know up. what I'm saying? So then I, I knew I had to step out of that, but also, Part of my plan when I left that job I was working at mm-hmm. was to get the government to pay for me to go back to school mm. and I would take some kind of course in the music industry. Because yeah. I never had that. Everything was self-taught. So me recording guys in my basement from Flemo and working in bigger studios and doing bigger records, that was all for me watching other engineers mm-hmm. and just learning and reading manuals and and buying stuff at Long and McQuaid. And, you know what I'm saying? Game. Yeah. Yeah. So in this process of working at the music library, I was also filling out the application because I was laid off mm-hmm. to have the government pay me to go back to school mm-hmm. and take a course. So I put the application in and told them what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to the Toronto Film School and take uh, a recording arts technology course. Okay. So the application came back and said, no. Denied. We don't think that there's enough jobs in the industry for you to do this. Mm. So, so me, I was devastated because that had to work. That was my plan. Yeah. Right. There was no plan after that. So I was like, fuck that. This, no, this has got to work, man. Like I have to get this. So I think I even wrote back and said that I said, no, this, this has to work. Like, 
there are jobs in there. So they said, well, if you can prove to us that there'll be a job for you mm -hmm. after your training, then we'll reconsider. So I was like, say no more, <laughs> right? Yeah. You break out the Rolodex, right? Call my good friend, Phil Dimitro at Lacquer Channel. Wow. Okay. I've gotten a bunch of records mastered by him. Right? Mm -hmm. Phil's my boy, man. Yeah, I was one too. of the first hip hop records he ever mastered. Salute to Phil. Trust me. So some of those records on the wall. There you the, go. That record there. My, the Have you looked record? at some of the stuff he's worked on? Uh, I've been over to the studio. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? So I hit up my colleague, my friend, right? Hit up Phil and said, Phil, this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to go to school and get the government to pay for it. They don't think there's any jobs. Can you write me a letter saying that after I graduate, There'll be a job at Lacquer Channel for me. He's like, yeah, sure. He goes, you write it up. I'll read it over, put it on Lacquerhead or Lacquer Channel letter, letterhead, letterheads, yeah, and sign it. So I said, all right. So I wrote this letter. Right, he might have made a couple of adjustments. Mm -hmm. Right, I, I know he made a couple of adjustments. He signed it, sent it back to me. I sent it to the government. They sent me money to wow. go to school. You feel me? So now I'm going to school and working at the music library. But I'm so invested into school and so confident that when I leave school, because again, like I'm connecting with all the teachers, I'm handing in my assignments, most of the, most of the kids there, because I'm older now, mm -hmm. you feel me? So most of the kids there are straight out of high school and they play guitar at home and they want to be in a band. Yeah. Right? So they're out smoking weed between classes, coming in late, yeah. not finishing projects. I'm like, fuck that. I'm teacher's pet. I'm handing in my assignments. I'm soaking up all the information. I'm doing extra assignments. Mm -hmm. Right? You know what I mean? Really and killing it. There was one course. So, okay. So back to the government. So long story short, there was, uh, there was one. So the government paid for me to go to school. Boom. That's, that's kind of the moral of the story mm -hmm. is I was focused and determined that they were going to do that. I didn't take no for an answer. Found out a way to convince them that it was the right decision. Yeah. And ultimately it was because I've been at CBC for 16 years now. Yeah. Right. I think I might be in my 17. Right. So it ultimately was the right decision, but I had to tell them that. Yeah. Because I knew this little dork sitting behind the desk, he doesn't know. You know how many papers he goes through? Yeah. So what makes you stand out? Right. So you're asking yourself, what is your in? You have to create your in. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. This guy at the office, he doesn't give two shits about me. And if, if I have a music career or not, he thinks, yeah. no, it's not going to work. And not only that you have to create your in, you have to be, you have to persevere. You have to be perseverant. Exactly. Or you have to, you have to be determined. Yeah. Um, like you didn't take no for an answer. Exactly. Um, one of the questions, one of the last few questions that I have here, yeah. right? What's something that you wish you knew now or wish you knew then that you know now with all the experience that you have in the game not related to women <laughs> <laughs> yeah outside of that what what do i wish i knew then yeah you know that what you know now you're like fuck bro i'm gonna leave you with this well, i don't know if i'm gonna leave you but um i'm gonna i'm gonna answer it like this and this mm -hmm. is an answer that not only applies to the direct question but it applies to a broader issue that we uh, as a people have mm -hmm. because it's because we've been, we've been taught to believe something. Right. And that knowledge that I wish I had 
then or wish I had then yeah. that I have now is that I'm not wrong. Mm. Right? I'm not wrong. Okay? I'm not wrong about anything that I think. I'm not wrong about any of my emotions and how I feel. And I'm not wrong about what I say. Right. Okay? And having said that, are there better ways to handle situations or better ways to talk to someone? Yeah, but I'm still not wrong for like the other day I was stuck in a traffic jam, make it a real short story, stuck in a traffic jam. Cops were there joking around with each other instead of directing traffic. Mm -hmm. I laid on my horn. This fucking guy comes over to me. Can I see your license? I'm like, no. For what? He's like, oh, you're disturbing the peace. Fuck you disturbing the peace. Right? Anyway, yeah. we go back and forth. I'm like, oh, fuck you. Fuck you. What are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to give you a ticket for oh, disobeying an officer. I said, really? I said, I'll see you in court. I don't fucking care. Fuck off. Mm. I'm stuck in a traffic jam. I'm allowed to honk my horn. Yeah. And I'm using this type of language. And I'm like, I was pissed because I was in that line for a half an hour going the opposite direction of what I needed to go. Yeah. Because they're dumb shit. Right? I want to like police. I try to. But they always act in a fucking way that they do something that mm -hmm. makes you pissed off. So anyway, so that situation, after I left and I calmed down, I reflect. You always have to reflect on your day. Mm -hmm. So I reflected and I was like, man, I was super mad. Like, I must have looked like an idiot. Yeah. Right? But I'm not wrong. I had to remind myself, I'm not wrong for having the opinion that I had it, had and, and, and being angry. I'm not wrong for being angry. Could I have handled it better? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you know what I did? I gave away my power. Mm-hmm. Right. So because of who I am now, I know how to handle my emotional intelligence. Mm. So I'm going to add that to I wish I knew what I wish I knew back then. Yeah. Is how to handle my emotional intelligence. How to handle your emotional intelligence. Right. Because yeah. I've been I've been able to get me, myself out of a lot of situations, but I've got myself in a lot of situations that I didn't need to be in mm -hmm. if I would have handled my emotional intelligence. And when you don't handle your emotional intelligence well, you give away your power. And when you give away your power, you don't have a voice. You have yeah. nothing to say, right? For example, this, and I want to give an example so people can put them together. Mm -hmm. But this cop who's talking to me, being a, clearly being a dick, he's filming. I want to point out, though, that he started recording after he said some instigating ignorant shit. Yeah. Then he's like, oh, I want to let you know that this is being recorded. I said, of course it's being recorded now that you said you're shit. Yeah. So make sure people know that you said some ignorant shit before you started recording. Yeah. Carry on, right? But I gave away my power by swearing at him and yelling and mm -hmm. flipping him the bird and telling him to give me a ticket. Yeah. Because if he shows that video to someone, what are they going to see? This They're going to see erratic. this angry fucking black guy screaming and yelling. Yeah. Right? And it doesn't matter what I want to say after that. I gave away my power. Yeah. They're just going to see that guy. They're not going to hear my logic that I'm trying to say. Yeah, it doesn't matter They're not how gonna, rich you It are. doesn't matter. I gave away my power. But if I would have spoke to him more calmly and explained to him that I understand the law and I do not have to give you my license, right? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have given away any power. Yeah. And I could have mind-fucked him the same way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's why earlier when I said... You, it's okay to mind fuck people sometimes mm -hmm. because that's yelling at someone and being the loudest voice in the room is not always the way to get your point across, especially yeah. when you're trying to make a point or even more so when you're upset about something, mm -hmm. right? If you're upset about something and if anybody's in a relationship, 
you know yelling ain't gonna cause ain't gonna solve the problem. Yeah. Cause it's just gonna be like back and forth, both both people yelling. Mm-hmm. Right? You need someone needs to remain calm and control their emotional intelligence and speak calmly and explain why you're upset. And then hopefully the second person calms down and then you guys solve the problem, you kiss and make up. Yeah. Right? So in short, so you have a, a little soundbite. <laughs> if there was something that I know now that I wish I knew back then mm-hmm. was how to manage my emotional intelligence. How to manage your emotional intelligence. And not second guess myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my last question is, Yep. what do you think your biggest accomplishment has been over the years? My biggest accomplishment mm-hmm. so far? Yeah. Uh, in life or? Just with all the different business ventures that you just had. Just with all the stuff I've done. My biggest accomplishment. Hmm. What I'm most proud of mm-hmm. is the Hip Hop Summit, right? Because I had a vision and I approached a corporation yeah. and convinced them that this was the right thing to do. And I did everything I did the history story Mm -hmm. and I was passionate about it. I made it happen. So I'm most proud of that. So what was the question? What what am I? Your biggest accomplishment. So my biggest accomplishment. Yeah. it's So I'm most proud of the hip hop summit, but I think aside from saying something like, oh, giving, not giving birth, but having a child uh, Mm -hmm. and besides something like that, like that's a given, right? Like family first. Yeah, for sure. um, Would be big ticket. And the reason, because it created so many relationships. Mm -hmm. So many people came to that event, artists who never met other artists, right? People who never met people. I know people who met at Big Ticket and got married. Wow. I'm telling you. So to me, I was able to touch in some way, have an effect and touch the most people and bring joy and provide a platform. And I resurrected artists' careers. Yeah. You feel me? I resurrected artists' careers. Yeah, yeah. Eternia and Rochester. I'll name drop those two. Yeah. You feel me? And that's not a shot. I love Rochester. And I would go to... That's why he's been on Big Ticket like five times. Mm. Right? He's that guy, man. Like, I, I really support that oh, guy. He's sick with it. Right? But it wasn't until I premiered a video, a new video of his, that he really started getting back into the scene and things started happening again. Mm. Right? Yeah. But Art Rochester is also a real artist, so he'll always be doing something. Yeah. Right? Attorney too. Attorney was kind of at a stage in her career where she was over it. And I actually had to convince her, no, just just a big ticket, man. And then after that, she just got the bug again. Yeah, and she linked up with dude from Brooklyn. Yes. And yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So so it's all good. And same with the hip hop summit. Maestro was at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Right. And he said something very personal to me at the hip hop summit. Right? Yeah. So I think what I'm most proud of is, is, is big ticket and touching people's lives in some way mm-hmm. and maybe changing them, helping them. Um, because I think we should all strive to do that in some way. Yeah. Right. And, and you're doing it. You're providing a platform for people. Working on it, man. Right. Working on it, man. You just gotta, you just gotta keep grinding, man. Get some of that corporate sponsorship behind you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even like we talked about off airs, like the other day on the phone, right. About, you know, getting you in CBC or something or some mm. media company and start yeah. producing real news entertainment stories. Yeah, man. Well, right. Like, like well, diversify the profile. 
you know, the portfolio. Yeah, man. Because, like, what we do over here, like, I love to, to do my research mm-hmm. and really have engaging conversations with people like yourself um, who are in the scene, who are helping to be pillars and helping to, you know, put the foundation so that all of these artists are able to flourish. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. At, but at the same time that, you know, what we're doing behind the scenes we gotta, we gotta eat too, bro. Of course, <laughs> of course, we gotta eat. So that that's up to you to like, and that's what I'm saying though too, because I have a career, so I have I, I have a salary every year. I have a salary, mm-hmm. right? So I can do these other things and help other people out for not as much compensation. Yeah, right. And that's my duty. I feel. Yeah, right. I can also say things that other and get away with it that other people can't say. Yeah, because I don't have to play by the same rules. And right? and, and that's important, man. Yeah. So and, and 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 I don't want people to take that in an ignorant way either. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I can just be an ass. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like when you're coming up, you got to pay your dues. You got to be respectful. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what's missing. And you have to create your own leverage. You have to create your own leverage, right? Yeah. Yep. Once you have a certain amount of leverage, then you can, you know, say things and sometimes if people are mad at it, they, you have enough leverage where they'll give you the grace to mm-hmm. be like, "You know what?" Uh, I'll accept your apology, yep. all these different things, rather than if you have no leverage, they're just like, fuck this out waste, you. Get out of here. Get him out of here. Yeah, exactly. Quick, fast. You know what yep. I'm saying? Absolutely, man. No, man. Absolutely. I, listen, Chris, I really enjoyed having this conversation here. I think we probably locked in for like 90 minutes, probably two hours <laughs> probably. on this one. Right I mean, here. my phone was ringing, so that means like, that's 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 the, that's the like, where are you? What's taking you so long? <laughs> but you know what? Well, for me, and for our audience, especially for the audio listeners, because yeah. I, I salute to the audio listeners all the time, because yes. those are the ones who are like sitting in the office, earbuds in, driving the FedEx um, trucks and all those different things, yep. like, like totally taking in the content from beginning to end. Good. And they really appreciate the stories, the jewels, all these different things that we've been able to have in this conversation here, fam. Well, I'm, 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 I'm happy to share. I'm glad you invited me. And uh yeah, if you're listening and you like what you heard, and if you got something from it, then share it. You know, let people yeah, know. Man. Let people know what what good work Friday's doing too. Thank you, brother. That's that's what's up. Oh man, thank you, man. But yeah, it's man. not about me. It's <laughs> all about you. And I want you to let the people know where they can find you, yeah. social media wise, all that good stuff. Yeah, you know what? Just just hit me up at Big Ticket Pro mm-hmm. on on the gram. That's probably the easiest. Um, and you can always email me. I'll give you the corporate email because it's easy to remember. Mm-hmm. It's Chris, C-H-R-I-S dot. That's just, you know, a dot, not the word dot. Jackson at cbc.ca. Just hit me up, man. Let me know that you were listening to Friday's uh, podcast. And if you're an artist, send me music because I, I am that guy that listens to people's music. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people ask me, oh, what are you listening to now? And what I listen to now is what people send me. Okay. You know what I mean? Obviously, you know, I got my, my serious XM and my... My uh, G98, it'll always be G98, <laughs> right? I like them. They play a lot of reggae and soca. Yeah. Right? But really what I listen to other than like whatever's on the pop radio is what people send me or what my 15-year-old listens to. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. back and forth to soccer, man. He's, he's got some tunes still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's big into he's big into the UK. The drill names. Yeah, the drill. Yeah. The drill is, that's the shit. <laughs> I no, like that man. energy stuff, you know? No, man, I appreciate this conversation that you had with me here. 
and and for the people who are listening also um i'm gonna add on to that you know all the music that y'all send me send me clean versions mm. i'll send them over to chris you know what i'm saying and 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 you know we'll we'll connect the dots as we say yes you know yes saying? because there is a show i just gotta do one more plug friday there is a show yes, uh on cbc it's called the block mm-hmm. And they play black music. It's on five nights a week from seven to nine. Okay. I actually produced a Juno special for them two years in a row. Nice. So the last two Junos, and you can find those online. Uh, just type in the block Junos and some shit will come up. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my, my cat Thelonious from Rexdale, he was on the last show. Okay. So I did one this year at Esco Levi, uh, Trippy, uh, Zen Soul, and I'm forgetting somebody. My bad. My apologies. You'll probably hit us up in the comments. Yeah, man. But watch out for Thelonious and send me music, send Friday music, and I'll uh, send clean versions and I'll forward it over to the block at CBC. Scene. Another one in the vault right here. You know what I'm saying? Make sure for the people who are watching this on YouTube to hit the like, hit the share. You know what I'm saying? Hit the subscribe. And and let's let the people know that the We Love Hip Hop Network is having some deep and insightful conversations in this mofo. Yes. All right, we are off of this. Deuces. We love hip hop.